welcome to everybody who's tuning in this morning uh, from all over. Maybe you're a church person. Maybe you're not a church person. Somebody invited you. We're glad to have you along uh, uh, in this this morning. Um, the church is not a location, and it's, it's not a service, and it's not, it's not behavior. It's real people connected in a relationship with their Heavenly Father. And it's a family. It really is a family. And so uh, for those joining in this morning, we're glad that you're uh, joining us. You're welcome to hang out with this family. You're actually welcome to be a part of this family. That's what God's inviting each and every one of us to. And so... Uh, again, this morning, thanks for participating. And, and uh, as you might, may see there uh, on, our, on our live chat, we've said too, if there's any questions you have during the service this morning, feel free to text them to that number. That's going to come directly to me. Uh, if we have a chance to answer them during the service, we will. Otherwise, we'd love to try and get back in touch with you throughout the week. And so this morning, as we kind of jump right in, I was thinking about some of the things that that uh, I, I miss now as a result of, um, of COVID-19. For instance, I, I, the, the thought of not being able to hug people. I, I've never, never really was much of a hugger. So in that part, it wasn't like, oh, I miss that terribly. But you know, there, there's those times in, in life where you, you, know, you want to give someone a hug and then all of a sudden you can't. Uh, this week, uh, my friend Joe, uh, many of you know Joe Vaz, he, he, he lost his dad this week. And when I saw him, I just... I just wanted to give him a hug. It was like everything in me just uh, to let you know, brother, that we, that we hurt for you. And, and uh, I, I, all of a sudden that thing is, it's against the rules. You, you, can't, you can't hug. I was like, oh man, how, how I missed that. And you know, I thought about, it actually got me thinking about the, the huggers that I've experienced uh, in life. Some of the people from our church. I think about the different kinds of huggers. Like my dad, he's just like that big wrap his arms around you, bear hug type. I think every time you see him, it doesn't matter uh, what what you what uh, what you look like or feel like or what he. It's just it's like man, you just he's so happy to see you and it feels so great. And I'm I'm grateful for that that kind of hug. My daughter gives the goodbye hug so often when I'm leaving the home. It's like Dad, I love you, and just that quick goodbye hug. And uh, I mean, I love those. You know, I thought about some of the other people in our in our church, like E.B. Bergsma. I was thinking about him and how his kids and grandkids used to uh, say about him. He gave the best side hugs all the time. Uh, and I thought about this, some of the others, like the unaware huggers, like um, Gary uh, from Saturday night. He wasn't much of a hugger. So we just told people, just randomly hug him anytime you see him. And that would happen wherever. And he's just totally unaware that he's getting hugged. You know, and then there's people like uh, Bob DeVries who gives the Elk Lake hug, uh, which I can't even begin to describe. And so we won't. But we'll move on to, uh, to, the, to, the, to the next one, the squeezers. The people who grab you and hug you so tight, you think, you'd like, you think your head's going to pop off or you just might, like, all the breath comes out of you. Uh, if you've ever been hugged by Beth Yeager, you know what that's like. Or Fabian, Fabian Witchy hugs like that. It's just like that, that grip, never going to let go. You thought about all those different types of hugs. And I think sometimes life gives us uh, hugs as well, where, you know, when everything's going well, it's like, oh, it's like that warm feeling bear hug. But then sometimes it's like where it feels like life is just squeezing you to death. And it's... Uh, it's that kind of thing I want to talk about this morning because I, th- I wonder, are you experiencing or you know people are experiencing the squeeze of life right now? Maybe it's like the financial squeeze or the marriage squeeze or the relationship squeeze that's like, it, it's, hard, it's, it's feeling hard to breathe. Um, you know, I, uh, I saw this comment by a guy named Wayne Dyer. His quote, he says, when you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out because that's what's inside. And when you're squeezed, what's inside or what comes out is what's inside. 
And I think it's like we said before that through this time, certain stuff gets revealed. Some of the stuff that's inside of us gets, gets revealed. And sometimes it's a little bit of extra frustration, a little stress, maybe a little extra anger. Uh, my boys this week were fighting and man, they were like duking it out. And all of a sudden, finally, one of them comes upstairs like, he punched me in the back. Well, he punched me in the face. And I was like, I looked at him like, well, that's it. You guys want to slug it out? I'm going to make you hug it out. And so I made them. I made them hug each other. And they're like, they gave each other the hug. And like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they gave each other a quick hug. I'm like, no, you guys are fighting for at least three minutes. You're going to like hug for at least a minute. And they're like, really? I'm like, yep. I set the timer and I was like watching them just hug and hug. And, and at the end, finally, they're smiling away like this. And I was like, uh, you know, I thought, man, wouldn't that be great if for every kind of relational conflict, this was just the simple answer? Just, just hug it out? Well, <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be great if that was the answer to everything? But as we're going to look today at some uh, uh, things that I believe Jesus did give us the answer for everything when it comes to relationships. And uh, before we... Um, uh, jump into that. I want to take a moment for this. We we spent um, a couple of weeks talking about relationships before COVID happened. And actually, it was during one of those services that Penny uh, came up to me after and she said, Mark, I just feel that God put it on my heart to share our story, my story, the story of her and, and Paul um, and uh, what God had done in their lives. And I was like, that's awesome. Let's do that as the finale. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and we were in a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, as I thought over the past, you know, couple of weeks, hearing about some of the strain going on in families and, and relationships and just the difference uh, that this has all brought, I was like, you know, let's, let's take some time to talk about that. And maybe around your homes, it's like I always say, I always feel at this point, I would say, hey, you know, if you're going through some strain, I don't want no awkward nudges or, you know, don't be bumping or looking at people in the, in the service. But I can't see you. So go ahead, nudge and look and be like, maybe just raise your hand. Yeah, it's me. It's us um, this morning. But I wanted to take an opportunity just to look at a message of, of incredible hope today. And I want to take a, a chance to, t- to look at Penny's story. Um, Penny's is a story of impossible. It's a story of hope. It's a story of God at work. And uh, you're going to get a chance to hear it right now. So enjoy. Hi, my name is Penny. And God has led me to tell our story. Yes, our story, Paul and Penny. Just a little about each of our background. First, I am the youngest of four and my father was an alcoholic from the time I can remember. I was sexually abused by a neighbor, and even though I didn't know it till later in my life, my mom had accepted Jesus into her heart when she was younger. She had a lot to deal with at a young age and also in her married life. And all she could do for most of the time was to be in prayer for her family. I accepted Jesus into my heart when I was 14 and baptized shortly after. Did all my troubles go away? Heck no. Did I try to follow what Jesus taught us to do? I did. Later in life, I was able to receive counseling, and with God's help, I was able to forgive and have peace. I was raised in the Baptist church. Now, my parents didn't go to church, but us four children went always. It was probably a nice break from being at home. Even though my dad was an alcoholic and we struggled, my parents stayed together through it all. My mom was always a prayer warrior and still is to this day. She lived out what Apostle Paul wrote to the early believers, pray continually and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. First Thessalonians 5.17 and Ephesians 6.18. Two years before my dad passed, he came to know his Lord and Savior. I was visiting my dad in the hospital just before he became saved. And when I walked in, my dad said, your mom must be praying again. And I said, why do you say that? 
And he said, there were two ministers here within five minutes of each other. And then we laughed. It was amazing to see my dad become a different husband and father, and then to know that I will see him again in heaven. Now, Paul was a middle child, raised on a farm, but his mom passed when he was just shy of his eighth birthday. He never had a full-time mother figure after that, and he never got over that pain of not having a mother or a substitute mom. His mom taught Sunday school at Garnet United Church, and so Paul attended there. His dad struggled when Paul's mom died at 36. He was left with a 13-year-old young man, an 8-year-old young boy, and a 4-year-old little girl. What was he to do? Ted, at 13, back then, well, was well on his own, just about. Betty Ann was taken by Grandma out of the house for a time, and then that left Paul. Did he feel abandoned? Absolutely. To no fault of anyone's, but that's how he felt. But I believe that God had a plan for Paul, like he did for Israel, written in Jeremiah 29.11. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Paul and I met in the summer of 1985 and were married in August of 1986. Did we struggle? Oh yeah. Did we bring um, baggage into the relationship? Absolutely. In hindsight, I better understand why Apostle Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Paul had been married before and had a young son. When we were married, Kevin turned eight years old the next week. We settled into our home on Sandusk. We attended Garnet United Church because that's where Paul felt comfortable to attend. Our children were baptized as infants. I taught Sunday school, took care of the youth for many years, and was a member of the UCW. We were very busy in our household. We had three children, with one being a teenager and the other two toddlers. It was a crazy time. Paul worked shift work and I was driving school bus so I could be home. So much of the traveling was on me. Our children were in sports, hockey, baseball, ringette, and all the sports through school. There was no time for much else. By the time Kyle was in college and the other two were done, we found ourselves distant from one another. I had gone back to work full time and was commuting and Paul was getting close to retiring. Paul felt that we didn't need him anymore and was pulling away from his family. We tried to keep it together, but both of us had made mistakes and we both were at fault for the marriage to break apart. It takes two to make it work and it takes two to let it fall apart. It isn't always 50-50, probably not, but it takes two. Paul and I separated in January of 2014 after 27 years of marriage. Wow, and it happened that quickly. I struggled so much with living. I was a Christian woman. How can this be happening? I don't want to be divorced. I don't want my children to go through this. My mom was able to stay and prayed hard enough for my alcoholic dad to be saved. What was wrong with me? But something happened when I left. I had been seeing a counselor for some time. And she asked me once, what were my hopes and dreams? I said, I would have to get back to her on that because I never remembered having hopes and dreams. When I returned to tell her that, she said, that makes perfect sense. Because through your childhood, you were in survival mode. And through your marriage, you were also in survival mode. And now you need to find out who Penny is. Well, okay then. And so that journey began. And I did find more about me. And I also became closer to God. More than I had ever been before. And I was loving it. Paul and I had left on very friendly terms and we were, were always there for our children, even though they were growing up. Paul said to me once that we would never let each other fall, whether financially, sickness, or any other thing. 
and I agreed. Now, writing this, it just sounds like a marriage. Paul did move on with his life, so did I to a point. I never went out with anybody else, but Paul did. But in March of 2018, Paul found out that he had a tumor in his kidney and that for the next couple of years, a number of issues, lung lesions, a brain tumor, fluid on his lungs, brain abscess, seizures, and a brain bleed from radiation, which caused some paralysis. Paul was never one to handle lying around and not being productive, and so this really bothered him. And so the tension levels were high, and he found himself alone in September of 2018, and that wasn't a good thing. When I first found out Paul was home alone, there was no hesitation to be there for him no matter what. I knew God had been preparing me for this very moment. He opened doors that when I look back was for this very reason. Job much closer to home, a stronger relationship with him. I was in a better place to do what was needed. I had no romantic feelings for Paul, but God gave me the love, faith, and trust, strength to be there even when Paul wasn't very nice. I learned what 1 Corinthians 13 meant. Love is patient. Love is kindness. Love is not self-seeking. I had lots of support as well. Our daughter and son-in-law moved in with Paul to help. My work was going excellent. I was able to be away or leave suddenly when called. I had lots of support from my staff. I had the awesome support from my Bible study ladies and from my Kingsway family. I felt very much God's leading me to help Paul. So I said, okay, God, I am willing to follow your plan. I began to pray about three things that I really wanted to see. First, that Paul would see God and accept him as his personal savior. Two, I prayed that Paul would see our granddaughter born. And three, that our children would see God through me and that they too would have a personal relationship with God. Jesus described prayer in Matthew 7, 7 like this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so I was asking and I was seeking. Paul asked me to come back as though we were still married and I explained at this time that that wasn't happening. But I stayed at night to help him through it for months. In late November, Paul was back in the hospital with fluid on his lungs and then we found out that he had an abscess in the same area that his brain tumor was in. He was in surgery very quickly as it was not good. I worried that night because the doctor's report before Paul went into surgery was bleak. But I had a feeling that this wasn't the end of my prayers. This wasn't the end. My prayers hadn't been answered. God wouldn't have brought me back for no reason. We spent five weeks in the hospital. We were able, with some pressure from us, his family, to get him home on December 24th. I took a few months. It took a few months, but Paul improved enough that he could get out, and so he stayed at my place on weekends, and he started to come to Kingsway. I know Paul was grateful to me. He told me many times, thank you for helping me. He could see I was tired and frustrated at times, but kept going on and was thinking, what keeps her going? I could see God's hand through my, so much of those months. I was able to take Paul to all his appointments, which helped keep a steady consistency to his treatments, and it kept his anxiety level low. I saw our children's tensions go down as they saw me take control of their dad's health issues and to be there for him to relate to, something they felt they couldn't do on a certain level. I saw his doctors and caregivers smile and give their support when they heard our story. I watched relationships heal and become healthier. I saw hope in people's eyes as they watched Paul and I in whatever our relationship was. People would say they could feel the love and peace in the room. Had many hugs with whispers in my ear of their thoughts of thankfulness in what I was doing for Paul. My answer was always, not without God's strength. I am thankful for our Kingsway family. They, were, they are so amazing and supportive. Loving and praying for others is evident 
and we are so grateful, and I am so grateful. God worked through me to show Paul, his love to Paul. Paul, has, Paul had started to have seizures as well and was hospitalized for a week, but also had found out there was another small tumor just behind where the other tumor had been, and so they did one shot of radiation. And in the process, they believed there was a brain bleed, and then Paul was unable to use his legs. I was concerned then because I knew Paul would never be able to lay there without being angry, frustrated, and lash out to those taking care of him. It's what he had done in the past, and yet he was the opposite. It was during this time that Paul accepted Jesus into his heart, and it was a prayer answered. We could see the change in Paul, and not only us, but everyone that came to take care of him or visit him commented on the love they felt from Paul. We had a palliative doctor and an RN come to the house. The doctor explained to us that the tumor would affect Paul's emotions and that we could expect to get it to get much more negative and worse. The funny thing is, after Paul accepted Christ, the opposite happened. On one of those visits, the doctor asked about Paul's faith and we were able to tell him <clears throat> that Paul was saved. He then asked about his mental state and his personality because with this brain, his brain injuries, he should have been very angry and be in a frustrated mental state. But he wasn't, and we know why, because God had made it possible for Paul to be at peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. A few weeks later, we made the choice to have Paul go to Stedman Hospice in Brantford. It was a very hard decision for us as his family, but he was ready to go, and so we did the move. Well, it was an amazing um, experience. We continued to see God work there as well. God gave us six months there. Lots of family time, many meals together, relationships mended, meeting new friends, sharing our faith with amazing staff of nurses, PSWs, and volunteers. One day, one of the nurses asked Paul if he was scared to die, and he said, no, I am saved. And Pastor Mark has helped me with that. Mark was a blessing for Paul to have you care, support, pray, love, and visit with him. And I am grateful. Thank you, Mark. I happened to be at the hospice one day when Mark came to pray with Paul, and then I witnessed Paul praying for Mark and myself. It was awesome to hear him praying. It didn't stop, he didn't stop just accepting God into his heart, but he was walking the walk. I had asked Paul that if he knew when the time was coming that we would, he would be going to meet God in heaven, that he would let me know. Well, he did, but I didn't know until after he passed. I had stayed the two nights before with him, and I needed to go home for a good night's sleep, and so Kyle stayed. That last night was very peaceful, just Paul, Kyle, Brittany, and myself, and Paul was holding my hand, and at one point squeezed my hand with all he had, and when I left that night, he never really was awake again and passed at 6.20 a.m. He told me he was leaving me. I miss him, but I am so grateful to God for giving us a second chance to have no regrets. God had a plan all along, there is no doubt in my mind. All my prayers have been answered. Paul is in God's glory. Paul saw a debt turn one. What a blessing. And our children have been changed, and I have seen them accepting or believing in our God more than they had before. So I am grateful. I never thought God would have me be his servant in this way, or any other way, actually. I didn't think I was spiritual enough. It wasn't easy, but God was right there with me, giving me strength to persevere. At times I'm exhausted, but always able to continue, not under my own strength, and just the love I had for Paul to see that he had the support he needed. I sacrificed sleep and freedom to do my own thing, but it wouldn't have changed a thing. 
God has blessed our family so many ways, not just our immediate family, but my siblings, as well as Paul's family. It was all worth it. It just confirmed even more that God is real and that he cares for us and that prayers are answered. No matter what you're going through, take the time to listen to each other and to stop, never stop praying for each other. James, the brother of Jesus wrote, James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I have seen this that to be true. Thank you for letting me share our story and his story with you. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Penny. Uh, so good to even hear that story again. A lot of the latter part of that story I got to witness, and there's so many parts of it that I just I just love. I, I love the, the, the fact that you said, you know, I didn't feel spiritual enough. Because maybe you're sitting at home today, and that's kind of how you feel. Maybe there's certain things that just resonate from her story with your life. And you're like, man, I, I don't know if I'm spiritual enough, if God it can use me yet. But man, I just love that she just stepped out in obedience to God one step at a time and uh, saw some incredible things. I, I love that she was just living out love in a, in a very practical way. Because uh, so often we think it's all about the feelings. And yet it was amazing to see what God did uh, through her life and in Paul's life. And to have been there when uh, you know, he accepted Christ and, and watch a man's life transformed. It's beautiful, and uh, I know I have a brother waiting for me at home when I get there someday as a result. Uh, my question for you watching this morning, did you know or do you know that you're writing a story right now? Have you thought about the fact that you're actually writing a story that someday you're going to tell? See, I don't know if Penny knew that right at the beginning, but taking each of those steps, it results in the story today. And I, and I wonder if we think about that enough, you know, what, a, what do you wish your story would be? If you get to tell it, what do you wish the story of your, of your marriage, of your family, of this season of your life would be? What, what do you hope it would be? You know, sharing a little bit at a funeral yesterday, that, that question, what do you want people to say about you when this life is on this planet is done? What do you want that story to be? You know, I thought about that this morning, and uh, as was Jesus teaching so many things, uh, there were, a lot of what Jesus taught was pointing people to the fact that he was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and that by dying and raising from the dead, he would prove it. But he just simply gave one new command to us as well. He didn't come to bring a whole lot of rules, didn't bring, you know, um, follow the Ten Commandments and whatever else. He said, I want you to just follow one commandment. And I know you know the words to this. I know you've heard it before. We've shared it a lot. But please don't miss the meaning of it in this moment this morning. John chapter 13, John, a Jesus follower, was right there. He wrote down the words of Jesus. And Jesus said to them right before he, uh, right before he died, he said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. One new commandment love each other. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples, that you're my actual followers, the way that you love one another. And this morning, we don't have a lot of time. And so to this will be a two-part thing, a little thought for you this morning. And then next week, we'll look at the rest. But Jesus simply said, I just want you to do one thing. Just one thing. And to the Jesus followers today, it's the same thing. Just one thing. And if you're not a Jesus follower, this actually works still for, for, for anyone because we're designed to run on this type of fuel. It says this, I want you to love one another. And I, I think that oftentimes we get love and like confused. You know, sometimes you can respond on a text with a, a like um, emoji or a love emoji. And sometimes I get a text, I'm like, ah, do I send love to this or do I send like to this? I'm not sure. But like is a feeling 
Really, it is. It's a feeling that we have in kind of involuntary. And love's actually a choice. There's, that, that's the main difference between the two. You know, we, we, we think certain things are lovable. Uh, and it's like, for instance, you Google lovable and this comes up. That puppy's like super lovable. Uh, and then if you Google lovable children, these are the kids that come up. And maybe your kids look like that. Maybe they don't. But if you Google lovable spouse, this is what comes up. It's like, wow, of course, of course those are lovable. I just feel this. this I, could, I could love that. And yet uh, what we actually are witnessing is things that are, are likable. They're likable. It's like, we don't actually choose to like stuff. We just simply like stuff or we don't. Maybe just follow along with me. How many of you, you know, you'd say, yeah, Ferraris? Yeah, I, I can't help myself. I just like Ferraris. I don't know what it is about them. I see them every, anywhere and everywhere. I just, it's instantly, I like that. I like that vehicle. Olives, how about you at home? Olives, for me, no thank you. My wife loves or likes olives a lot. Me, can't do it. Can't, can't like them. Then, then how about cows? You know, the Highland cows, how, I just like, how can you not like those? But maybe you don't, but I do. And then of course, you know, cats, if you know me long enough, you don't even need to, uh, to, to guess what my answer is for that. I just can't like them. You know, we, we, we tend to treat likable stuff, um, and lovable stuff the same way. And you, you hear that word, well, just love everybody. And there's that thing of like saying, well, Jesus, that's easy for you to say, you're not married to her or Jesus, you don't have to live with him or, you know, Jesus, you don't understand my parents. Like they, you, you don't know what it's like to live in, in this, in this type of environment. And, and maybe the thought is, you know what, there's people in my life or maybe for you, it's like, man, it's, it's, it's the people that posting stuff on the internet. I just don't like them right now. And we confuse the difference between like and love. Well, to be honest, no one told you you had to like anyone. No one said, you, you know, you had to like them. Uh, likes that involuntary feeling. You might like them or you might not. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. What Jesus' command was to us was that we would love them because the truth is they might not be that likable right now. But I think of the first people that Jesus told this to, those disciples, those Jesus followers, they weren't all that likable either. Uh, you know, if you think about Peter, the guy who put his foot in his mouth all the time, he's always the guy who says the wrong thing at the wrong time. And there's lots of moments where that's not likable. You know, James and John are like, me first, no, me first, me first, me first. It's like, maybe you have kids like that. And it feels like in times it's not, it's not likable or people that you know at work. And then there, for instance, there's Matthew, the guy who was like, works for the IRS. So, you know, it's tax time. And maybe like, no, thanks. You know, not my kind of people or, or Simon, the political guy, the guy who would be today posting all of his like, um, political um, opinions on the Facebook all the time. You're like, oh, oh, unlike, unlike, unlike. You know, real people, really broken people. But the truth is they were totally lovable. And that's what I like about Penny's story. When there was times where she said it wasn't, Paul wasn't likable, that he was still lovable. And I think those are the, the powerful moments that, you know, I wish we could just simply say to people, you don't like them, just hug it out. <laughs> just hug it out. It's all going to be, and, and for you, you're like, no, we can't. We're physical distancing. And of course, it's like, the answer isn't that just hugging it out is going gonna, is gonna to fix anything, but love can. Love can. And love's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And I just want, I want to leave you with a couple thoughts this morning, and here's them. For those who are married, have you ever heard people say, you know, marriage and relationships are hard work? Or, you know, you got to work on your marriage? Or, you know, maybe you've heard someone say, I'm not, I'm not happy, but I'm committed to this marriage. Maybe they're sitting in the room with you. 
you know, I think about those things. Sometimes I think we put the focus on the marriage as opposed to the, the person. Andy Stanley said this way, do you realize you're not married to a marriage? That's not what you, you're not fighting for the marriage or you're doing all this work for the marriage. There's another person on the other side of this thing called marriage. Another person who's exactly like you, only different. Another person who's lovable like you and Jesus is simply commanding us, would you love that other person? Would you love that other person? Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's uh, somebody, a relative that you only can interact with, you know, via um, Facebook or whatever it is right now. And would you love that person? Maybe disagree with them completely. He's saying, would you love that person? You know, I think this quarantine may present us with the opportunity on, on how, learning how to really love how to love in, in better ways. You know, we're going to look at it more next week, but you don't have to wait. Let me just say this to the married couples today. Um, if, if you don't have to wait, there's some things coming up. We posted some links down in, in, the, in the comments below. Um, there's there's a, um, a date night, date night at home coming up on May 7th. If you're interested in doing that, husbands, I think maybe you should be the one who initiates it. Just simply saying, hon, can we just do a date night at home? It's, it's eight o'clock. If, if you want to do it, actually, we'll sponsor you. Just send me an email and I'll pay for those tickets because I believe the marriages can be stronger after this as a result. Why? Because I'm convinced of a few things. I'm convinced that God didn't cause COVID and God's not the one putting all these restrictive rules on physical and social distancing in place because <laughs> he wired us completely opposite to that. We're so designed for relationship. But I'm also convinced that COVID-19 and any of this stuff does not hinder what God can do. That It's not hindering God at work in our lives. My question is this, could it be that he's bringing things to the surface in your life and in your marriage and in your relationships that, that you need to deal with? Could it be that a time like this where you just can't sweep things under the rug or that you're just going to leave, um, you know, going to work or whatever it is, and, and now these things are coming to the surface in you that he just wants to deal with and he wants to heal in you? Could it be that our marriages and families are going to be stronger as a result after this? Could it be that God is at work through this? I think we need to recognize it. There's a song we're going to sing to close called Waymaker that says this, even when I don't feel it, you're working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And I believe that in this moment, that in your homes right now, that he's working. You'd be like, man, I don't, <laughs> I don't see it. This is really tough. But what he's doing, what's, what's happening, stuff gets brought to the surface that he can heal. And he, here's the last things, two thoughts. Why should we love? It's simply because it's what he's done for us. It's what he's done for us for, for no other reason. He didn't say love each other because they deserve it. He said, love them because I love you. Love them the same way I love you. Not because they're lovable, not because they deserve it, not because you like them right now and not because that guarantees they're gonna change. I, I'm so glad that, you know, God loved us. He had no guarantee that, that the whole world was gonna change and, and gratefully follow him. But he took a chance on us and said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to love them anyways. Romans 5, 8, Paul said it this way. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He loved you and he loved me when we weren't very likable. And maybe you're here this morning, you're not a Jesus follower, but I think this is the reason why you should consider it. Who else do you know on the planet who loves you just the way you are? who loves you so much that he's willing to give his life for you. So, so um, loves you that he's willing to do whatever it takes so that you can actually have a relationship with him. You think, man, what about all my shame and guilt and the stuff that I've gotten wrong? <laughs> well, he forgives that 
and he gives you the chance to leave that behind and to live differently so you don't have to live in that circle. Man, I watched Paul experience that, to leave all that behind and see something brand new. And the following thought is this, that God is love and he's the giver of it. And maybe for you, you know, when you hear about this love stuff, it's like, man, I find it difficult to love sometimes. Those people in my life, are di- there's difficult to love. Can I just encourage you this week to just do one thing, to just be aware of him this week, that he is love and he's the giver of love to you. You know, it says in Romans 5, 5, just a few verses earlier, this hope he says won't lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us. We're just convinced of God's love for us. We're not looking for it anywhere else. God, just know that I'm loved. And because he's given us his Holy Spirit, he'll fill our hearts with his love. And I think of it sometimes this, just as I pray, the breathing in, God, I just thank you that you love me. And I'm just grateful for your love that you've poured out for me. I know it. I trust it. It happened 2,000 years ago and it's powerful today. God, thank you for loving me. And then as you breathe out, thinking, God, help me to just breathe out your love to those around me in any possible way I can, starting with the ones in my own home. Why do I say that? Because as you breathe in his love and just taking in his love and becoming so aware of his love, the next time life squeezes you, that's what's going to come out. It's my hope for me. It's my hope for you. My hope for the marriages and families of all of our Kingsway family, but those others who are listening in as well. And so... We're just going to take a moment to end this way this morning. So we're going to sing this song called Waymaker. Here's the lyrics. He's here right now. And when I say here, he's not in Kingsway Church's building. <laughs> this isn't his home. You are. He's in your home right now. He's in your living room. He's in your office. He's in your bedroom. He's wherever you are right now. He's here right now moving in our midst. And even when we don't see it, he's working. And he's, he's the way maker. He's a miracle worker. <laughs> he's asking you to reach out to him this morning. And my encouragement is that you do. Because my question is this. We heard Penny's story today, but how many other real love stories are just waiting to be written? You hold the pen. You hold the pen. This morning, would you take this moment just to spend this time allowing him to love you and just connecting with your heavenly father? Lord, I I just thank you for this moment this morning. God, I thank you for the realness of it. Thank you for the, the challenge of your word. I thank you that you didn't ask us to do something that you haven't already done for us. God, would you fill us with your love this morning? <laughs> I, I pray for marriages and families all over. Uh, those tuning in, those who are not even, we just lift them before you. God, may they experience your true, true, genuine love in their lives this week. Ah, may, may their world be changed as a result of what you do in and through them this week. And it's in your beautiful name that I pray. Amen.